Welcome to Heartland for Children's Let's Talk About It podcast, where we provide education and resources for family matters in Polk, Highlands, and Hardy counties. We're so glad that you've joined us. So now, let's talk about it. Hello, and welcome to our first episode of Let's Talk About It, Heartland for Children's podcast. Um, We're so excited. This is the month of May, and it's foster care month, and so we're here with Susan Ripley. Um, My name is Natalia Clemens. I'm the Community Engagement Specialist here with Heartland for Children, and this is Susan. Welcome. Susan, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I am the Director of Foster Home Licensing for Heartland. I have been in child welfare almost 30 years now. So my story is I actually became interested in working in this field because I was somebody that had to apply for Medicaid probably 30 years ago because I was pregnant. My husband had just gotten out of the military. When I went to the Medicaid office, I was treated very rudely and I thought if I'm if I ever work in this field, I'm going to change things. Mm-hmm. So I did. I started working my way up through child welfare. I went back to school and got my master's in counseling. I worked in, I've done everything from case management, a little bit of investigations, adoptions, um, came over to Heartland when Heartland started and started um, just really trying to help transform child welfare and specifically in my role now, redesigning the foster care system and making it Mm -hmm. better for our children and families. So I went back and got an additional certification in trauma and resilience from Florida State University. Um, had received my master's from University of South Florida. So I'm just very, very, believe very much in making our community better for our children and families. Yeah, you have a great team. I know that you also enjoy just even in your personal life because it's just good to get to know who you are as a person because you're very active in our community. Um, what are some other things that you enjoy doing personally? Um, and what, what, are, what do you do in our community here? Okay, so personally, I love animals. I do, I've done a little bit of dog training for people. I personally, I love to anything outdoors. So I love to hunt, I'm a hunter. I love fishing. I just love doing anything outdoors, especially if there's water nearby, whether it's the beach, mm-hmm. a pool. You're in the right place. I am, <laughs> love it. Awesome. Okay, so let's get into it. Let's talk about fostering in Florida specifically. Um, Tell us a little bit about uh, what it it means to foster in Florida. Okay, so foster care is what children come into when there is no other placement available. So when an investigation happens and children need to be removed for their safety, the first thing they do is look for a relative or non-relative that the child knows that they can be placed with. That should always be the first thing we do. If that's not available, then they need to go to a foster home. And so that's what my area does. We ensure that the people in the community who we're licensing as foster parents have all of the the safety precautions in place. They understand trauma and resilience and can help heal children before they go back to their parents. So foster care is designed to be a temporary care for children. It's not Mm -hmm. meant to be long-term. It's meant to heal and care for a child until they can go home. Let's talk about the need in our area. So Heartland for Children, we serve Circuit 10, which is uh, the Polk, Highlands, and Hardy counties. Let's talk about the need in our area. So some of the numbers that we have right now, we know that we have 2008 open child welfare cases. So what what does that mean in terms of fostering and foster care for our counties. Okay, so that is the number of open cases, but not all of those children need to be in foster care. Most of those are either home with their parents with an open case, 
and many of those are in relative or non-relative placements and then some of those are in foster home placements and so right now in, in our circuit those three counties we have 216 foster homes but we need at least 250 homes so there's such a great need for the community to step step up to meet that need because we still have you know we still need some more homes got it okay do you feel like in the past two years was there a change because has has COVID affected our foster homes what can you uh, can you speak to that um, uh, based on our licensed foster homes right now absolutely unfortunately we've had quite a few closures over the last few years uh, things have changed in people's families they've had family members move in so they don't have the capacity to take other children in they've uh, we've had people that have lost their jobs or their jobs have changed They've had to take other jobs out of the area. Their jobs became remote, so they're working from home and they don't have the availability to care for children right now. Some people were ill or have lost family members because of COVID, and some were just scared of what COVID was bringing into the community and people coming in and out of their homes, and so they just chose to, to take a break and walk away from fostering. So there's such a, a great need now for more people to understand what fostering is, to go through that process, and, and to step up for the kids and families in our, mm. in our community. And that's great. So I love how you phrase that, What what is fostering? There's a lot of uh, fear, there's a lot of myths. Can you speak to some of those fears that people have that you've heard over the years of, of licensing homes? Of What are some sure. of the questions that you get? Sure, one of the biggest ones is regarding how do I let go, how do I, fall in love with this child and then let them go? Or how do, how do I become attached but then let them go? And so I tell people, in our lifetimes, we become attached to people in many, many ways, whether it was other children we went to elementary school, whether it was somebody we were in high school with or college or someone that we were on a sports team with, even as an adult or in a, so we form these attachments, but it doesn't mean that they're with us every day and that they have to live with us. And so I always tell people, it's okay to form attachments with these children. They need to understand that it, you can be attached to something and still keep it close to you. So during the training that these caregivers go through, they learn how to help children form healthy attachments. They also learn how to stay close to that biological family. So we have many foster parents that the children may have been successfully reunified, but our caregivers are still babysitting for those parents. If the parents are working in night shifts, sometimes those previous foster parents are helping care for the kids, or they get together for holidays, they're inviting them over you know, for Thanksgiving dinners and Christmas dinners. So just because you form an attachment with a child and they leave doesn't mean you don't ever get to see them again. Right, right. So I know that in Florida, so let's talk about that attachment. Let's talk about also um, you know, fostering to adopt. I know that in the state of Florida, we are not a foster to adopt. Can you speak more to that? Right, that is one of the myths out there that people seem to think that coming into fostering is a way to grow their family. And so that's definitely a, a myth that, that needs to be corrected. And we're trying to constantly help the community understand that. As I said, fostering is designed to be temporary. It should be a temporary place for a child to stay safe while the family is healing. And that caregiver is actually part of that team that helps send that child home. They, they sometimes are a mentor to that biological family and help them get to the point where they can be good parents. So they show him them how to be good parents. So there is an adoption track for those families that know they only want to grow their family through adoption. So they would go the adoption track and an adoption home study and be matched with children that are free for adoption. 
these children in foster care are not free for adoption. They are on it. All of these children have reunification cases, and we're and the system is everyone together as a team to try to help heal these families right. and bring them back together. And I always tell people that are coming into this track, the reason we don't do foster to adopt is you never want to place a child in a home where that family is already hoping the biological family fails. It's so important right. that everybody believes in family preservation. Everyone believes in building our community up and making it stronger. We all live in this community. We want our families and the adults in our community to be stronger, to be good parents, and to break that cycle. Break that cycle of abuse and domestic violence, substance abuse, and help these families heal so that these children can be good parents someday. Absolutely. Can you tell me about a story that comes to mind of, of a success story of a family that did foster, that you saw that reunification, and what that was like? Mm -hmm. Actually, there's a great video on our Heartland website that people can ask, that can access. It's Daniel's story. And Daniel was one of our biological dads who was going through a really rough time, um, got involved in some drugs that really changed things in his life. His children were removed. Um, one of his children was placed into one of our foster homes, and that little girl had autism and Daniel didn't know anything about autism. That foster parent took him under her wing and she learned, she didn't know anything about autism, so she taught herself. And so she learned about what it was to parent an autistic child. When Daniel went successfully through his treatment, she would go to the halfway house to meet with him, bring his child to see him, to um, you know, share with him everything that she's learned so he could be successfully parent an autistic child. Mm -hmm. He talks about the case manager that also believed in him. She came to pick him up where he's wow. living, brought him to the courthouse, and she said, if you want your kids back, you need to come to court. And he had no idea that he could even get his children back. And so we have to do such a great, uh, you know, we have to do a service to our biological parents and let them know you can do this. So yeah. it's all of our responsibilities to cheer them on. And I really expect our caregivers to start from the very beginning. We do something we call a comfort call, where as soon as a child you know, arrives to a foster home, that case manager or investigator that's placing the child will get on the phone with a biological parent and the foster parent and say, hey, I just wanna let you know we've arrived to the home, the children yeah. are safe, the caregiver would like to talk to you. And they get to have a conversation about, do they have any allergies? Is there something special they do when they go to sleep? It starts that relationship right then so that the children feel comfortable. They don't have to, they don't have any loyalty issues about who they can trust or who they're allowed to talk to. They can choose to be comfortable with both sets of, you know, their parents and yeah. their new caregivers. I was really hearing you talk about the support for the parents, you know, something that I would love for you to speak to is the support for the foster care parent. Sure. What do those support systems look like and how do we, how do, wh what, what do they have in this process that supports them in this? In sure. This? So I'll tell you about the process quickly, how to become a caregiver. And so you first just call Heartland, which is that 863-519-8900, extension 289. We do a brief screening over the phone with you. If you meet the qualifications, we're going to enter you. You have a choice of classes that are kind of coming up, so we're going to enter you into that class. I personally go out and do an in-home, what we call an initial home visit. I want some time one-on-one -on -one to sit down with yeah. prospective caregivers, go over our policies and procedures, let them ask any questions. I do a walkthrough of the home so they can ask me how many beds can we put in this room. I always try to talk them into more than they think they can do because we have more faith in them than they do. Mm -hmm. and. Our greatest need is for sibling groups and teens. Okay. 
And so when somebody says, I just want to be licensed for one, I said, but if you knew they had a sibling with them, would that change your mind? Oh, absolutely. I said, well, let's start with two, but let's look at what we can do in your home. And so I do that initial home visit. They start training. They go through a class, very intensive trauma-informed training, so they're prepared for understanding children that have mm. experienced trauma. We license them as a foster home. They're initially immediately assigned, even while they're in class, they're assigned a foster parent mentor. So that's another caregiver in the area who's experienced that's gonna be their mentor gotcha. through their first six months at least and longer if they want them to. They also have one of my staff, which is a licensing specialist, assigned to them for the whole time that they're left. For all of the years that they're gonna be licensed, this is gonna be their licensing specialist to help them through this process. Then there's so many community organizations that really are standing up to support our caregivers. We have churches that are hosting dinners um, parent night out where they can drop the kids off and the parents get to go out alone. We have Lobo Ranch and Echo Ministries who are just really wrapping their arms around our caregivers and doing so much for them. So you're not alone. You're not out there on your own trying to navigate this new experience. You have so many people walking alongside of you. That's amazing. So with May being National Foster Care Month, um, is there anything that as a community we can do to help? Absolutely. Our caregivers that are stepping forward need to know that the community is supporting them, rallying around them. If there are people out there that want to create gift baskets that we can give to foster homes, if they want to just give gift cards so that they can have dinner out or order pizza for the family, uh, there's so many things that you can do. Even if you belong to a church, ask the church to sponsor a dinner or a pancake breakfast for our caregivers to really show our appreciation and rally around them. And while it's great to do it in the month of May, they need it all year long. They need churches to step up and the community to step up and show their support all throughout the year. So what if I'm a person in the community that is interested, um, but I'm not sure I'm ready to take the next step, what do I do? The first step is to call that number or you could reach out to Heartland on our website because there is an information session that we send you a link. And so in the privacy of your home, you can watch that. We've tried to lay out as much information as possible. Once you watch that, then you call us back and you say, okay, I'm gonna do this, I'm ready for that, and we're gonna get you on the roster for whichever class that you pick. And our classes are great because they're accelerated and they're virtual right now. Mm -hmm. So again, they have an option of Saturday classes, which are three Saturdays that they can do virtually, or they have a Tuesday, Thursday class, and they're, they're, both of them are just three weeks long. So it's, it's a lot of information that we're packing in, but it's only three weeks long and it's virtual. Gotcha. So from start to finish, if I come into the process, I do the info session and from my first class, like how long does it take to get licensed? We really try to have your home licensed within 30 days from gotcha. when you, you finish class because there's such a need out there. That really depends on how quickly people are turning in required information that we would need to create the home study. But our goal is to license every home within 30 days. Got it. All right. Well, Susan, thank you so much for yeah. being here today and for sharing. We really appreciate you. We appreciate your team. Um, and everything that you're doing in our community. Thank you. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening to Heartland for Children's Let's Talk About It podcast. There is a great need for foster families who are willing to open their hearts and homes to teens, sibling groups, and children with special needs. To learn more, check out the description for resources or visit heartlandforchildren.org.